turn with me to John chapter 20. You'll probably hear this verse over and over and over again in this series, but it's because it really is the point of this whole series. John chapter 20 and verse 30, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the point, as we've already heard this morning, that as we continue to go through the signs and the sayings of Jesus, that we might believe in him, that we would know that he is the Son of God, and that he is the author and the giver of life. So we are in the third sign today, which isn't actually spelt out as a sign in John's gospel, as in he doesn't say this is a sign, but it follows the pattern of the signs we've already seen. And I think at this point, John is like, you should know that this is a sign. And so John chapter five, and we're gonna read from verse one to 15. You can follow with me in your Bibles or on the screen. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, and in Aramaic it is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat, to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Okay, so let's set the scene. There's a festival going on in Jerusalem, and there is this pool that is associated with healing. So many people would have come to this pool, and this was not the only pool in ancient times. And there are still pools like this today that are associated with healing. Some would say that an angel would come and stir the water. It may just be that it was a natural spring that sprung up from time to time, but either way, it was commonly known that this is where you come for a chance, an opportunity. Perhaps, maybe, you might receive healing at this pool. 
And so it wasn't just Jewish people who were here. It was all kinds of people looking for an answer, looking for a solution. And so they come to this pool. And one theologian says, as Jesus walks into this scene, into this space of where people are looking for this possibility of healing, Jesus is in competition with the ancient healing sanctuaries. Jesus is in competition with the healing sanctuaries. They're no competition for him. Because he rocks up into this scene as the true healer. Where people are looking for an opportunity, he comes as the actual solution. And so when he comes to the man and he asks him this question, which however way you interpret the way, what he meant by it, or how the man responded to it, Jesus asks him if he wants to be healed, but the man does not answer Jesus' question. Instead, he is still looking to this pool. He is still looking for life and healing and restoration in this place that he's been coming to or in front of for so long, and Jesus is trying to point him to himself. Jesus is trying to say, this is what you think is going to help you, but I'm actually the one who's going to help you. And Jesus doesn't even respond. It's like he doesn't even try to argue with him. He just goes straight to the point, and the next thing he says to this man is, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I love the fact that Jesus doesn't even entertain. It's almost like I'm going to let my actions speak louder now. I'm just going to prove to you who I am. And for the Jewish people, they would have been awaiting a Messiah who was this answer. Exodus chapter 23 and from verse 25 says, Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on you and your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. And none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. Isaiah 35 and verse 5 to 6 says, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Along comes Jesus and he does this. And so this is Jesus saying, I am God. The one you have waited for to bring healing, to bring life and restoration. I am he. And the very word that Jesus used to say, get up, that word in the, in the language Jesus spoke is the same word the New Testament uses on many occasions to speak of the resurrection. And so Jesus wasn't just saying, get up, be healed. He was saying, get up, live. He was saying, now I speak new life into you. I speak resurrection life into you. And it's the, the pronunciation, the power of what he speaks into him that brings about this change because Jesus declares life. And we see this echoed further on in this chapter. If you go down to verse 25 of the same chapter, it says, Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear him will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. 
Jesus says both in the now, for those who have ears to hear his voice, there is life. Jesus says in the time to come, for those who have already died in him, he speaks and they will rise to resurrection life. His voice brings life resurrection life and for the Jewish people this is what they waited for and for everyone else they were looking for this in so many other places in the gods that they worshipped or in 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 nature thinking that's where they're going to get their life from and that's where they're going to get their healing from and this pool stood for something that potentially sometimes seemed to work or they believed it did but it wasn't doing a very good job otherwise the people wouldn't still be lounging around there all the time Jesus shows up and says, I am life. There are many, many things that seemingly give us comfort or cure to our pain or seemingly think like or appear like they give us life. And it's easy to stay in that place when the one who is truly life is already here and he's asking us not to look at what we think will give us life but to look to him this is the truth Jesus is the author of life everything that was made was made in him for him through him if there is anything else that seemingly gives you life it is a counterfeit it's not real it will disappoint you because he is the author of life. He sustains everything by the power of his word. This is intact by the power of the word of Jesus. And he calls us, and he, he doesn't wait for us to come to him, like we've already said, but he comes to us, and he proves who he is. And then he calls us to believe. Because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. There isn't life in anything else. No matter what anybody tells you, everything else is temporary. It's a distraction. It won't truly sustain you. Only the one who made you knows what will give you life, and it's him. And he loves us so, so much, so, so much. That he wasn't willing just to stay by the sidelines, but he did something about it. And so Jesus, he comes and he does this sign. And then in verse 14, bearing in mind, the man doesn't know who Jesus is. He has no clue. He's just been healed, still doesn't know who Jesus is. He's experienced him, doesn't know who he is. But afterwards, Jesus comes back and finds him. And he's like, okay, now you're good. Stop sinning. Otherwise, something worse will happen. Now, interestingly, further on in John's gospel, John chapter 9 and verse 3, God, Jesus heals a blind man. And the disciples ask, is he blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus says, neither. This blindness has got nothing to do with his sin or his parents' sin. But in this situation, Jesus seems to say, this has got something to do with sin. Both and. And so Jesus tells him, stop sinning. So it seems, of course, we live in a fallen world as a result of sin. But to say, because as we see in the scripture, that every single situation is a result of direct sin is not true. 
but then also to say that our sin does not have some kind of consequence and effect in our life is also not true. But we have to go back to Jesus to understand which is which and not try and make assumptions. Uh, it usually becomes hurtful because the assumptions tend to be about other people, not usually about ourselves. But either way, Jesus invites him into a new way of life. He's like, you have seen, you have been healed, I have showed up, now live differently. Now put your faith in me. And this is the pattern in the signs. Jesus performs the sign and then calls for belief in him because the signs are there that we might believe in him. That is the whole point. And Jesus at, at this point now, it seems now he, afterwards, he goes back and he's like, oh, no, he is now, it's Jesus. So he goes back and they ask him, he's like, oh, yeah, it was Jesus who healed me. But Jesus is the one who takes the initiative, not the man. Jesus decided to go up to him. He singled him out in a crowd. I don't know why he picked this man out of everyone who was there, but Jesus took the initiative. I know that it takes faith I know Jesus responds to our faith, but there are times he doesn't even need it because it doesn't give us any indication that this man was full of faith. But Jesus went anyway. There must have been some level for him to actually obey and stand up, but still he wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus took the initiative and went to him. Jesus did not need this man to know who he was in order to heal him. That should be an encouragement to every single one of us. We, even when we're thinking about reaching people with the gospel, Jesus doesn't need people to understand everything about him to experience him so that they can know him. Many times I find a hang-up with, how, how are they going to get it? And, and, and will it make sense? And I don't need to worry about that. Because Jesus will just introduce himself to them, even if they don't have a framework for him, because he's God. It's just my job to be there, to allow that to happen. He didn't need the effort on his part to initiate something. And that is the same, the same thing that Jesus does for us today. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would have eternal life, that they would not perish, but have eternal life. And 1 John 4, verse 10, just to repeat the scriptures that we've already heard today. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We're only able to respond because he initiated the first move. such a loving God. He didn't wait for us to respond, but he comes to us. And then we get to respond to him. Could I ask the band to come up? In um, Genesis chapter 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham. And he promises to bless him and that he'll be the father of many nations, that, that through him he would bless all of the world. And obviously Jesus comes through the lineage of Abraham. And 
the closest thing we have to covenant agreement, I guess, is marriage, when you choose to be bonded together, not by law, but by heart, by covenant. You make a promise to one another. And in ancient times, when you made a covenant, a blood covenant, you would kill the animals and cut them in half, and the two parties who were making the covenant would walk across each other through the cut animals, through the blood, and what they would say is, if, this, if one of us breaks it, blood has to be shed. So that was the pact. If one of us breaks this covenant, someone has to shed blood. Now, when God made the covenant with Abraham, he told him to cut the animals in half. But only God passed through in between. Abraham was asleep. The flaming torch went through, and only God passed through the animals. And what God was saying that if either side breaks this covenant, only I will shed blood. You don't have to. It's God, that's God's covenant to us. While Abraham was still sleeping, wasn't even aware, fully aware of what was happening. While we were still sleeping in our sin, Jesus still came, said, if you break this, don't worry, I'll fix it. I, God of the universe. And so he did. Jesus came. God the Son came and shed his blood, and he fixed it. And all we have to do is believe in him. It's such a wonderful gospel, and this is why it excites us so much. This is why the gospel is it's just the most important thing about us, because that's who Jesus is. He is the author and the giver of life, and if you don't yet know him, if you haven't made that decision to say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you are the author of life, and I believe and confess that I haven't lived life your way. All you need to do is say, I'm sorry, and turn around, ask him to forgive you, fill in it he's already made up his mind about you way before you were born in an instant he fixes it and he becomes lord of your life and living in his ways is life because he is the author of life there is freedom found nowhere else but in Jesus Christ Everything else is counterfeit. It will not satisfy. It will not heal. And so when we break bread, this is what we remember. This is what we celebrate. Luke chapter 22. from verse 14 it says when the hour came Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God and after taking the cup he gave thanks and he said take this and, did, and divide it among you for I tell you I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine 
until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He fixed it. He shed his blood so we wouldn't have to. So as we come to the table, as we respond, you need to take a moment just before the Lord, if you know him, and just to thank him for that. While he was still asleep, he decided to fix it. And if you don't yet know him, this is an opportunity to come to him. Because in him is life. You've got this life and the next. I promise you, it's the best decision you'll ever make. The best. No regrets. So let's just take a moment before him. You might want to close your eyes. Just speak to him. Just acknowledge him. easy to forget sometimes how much it cost you even when we were not awake to you when we were not looking for you you came running and looking for us we thank you that you shed your blood you spared nothing in pursuit of us because you love us so much and so Jesus this morning as we take of the bread and drink of the cup Lord, we thank you and we celebrate you and we say again that you are Lord and you are everything. I pray that you would meet each and every single one of us in a new way as we respond. Because you are good and you are life. And wherever there is brokenness, whether that is physical healing, emotional healing, confusion or distance or doubts torment in your mind I pray and speak life over you in Jesus name that as we respond the life of Jesus will permeate you will permeate you in a whole new way so whenever you are ready feel free to come to the table to Jesus, come to Jesus, the author of life.